Bullshit is everywhere. Oh, we don't have time for that. Hi, my name's Cameron Riley. It's uh, <laughs> Bullshit Filled with the News, Episode 7, uh, Monday the 21st of May 2018. My name is Cameron Riley. How are you, Papa Bear? Doing great. How are you? I'm good. You're a little bit buzzed. You've been out. You've been rocking. Just, You've been rolling. Uh, well, I'm, there's a local fundraiser band slash alcohol. I got some tips. I almost uh, got up on the stage. But anyway, I'm here now. Let's let's digest and process this news for this week so everyone will know what to think. If I'm talking a little bit faster, it's because I'm going to hurry this week. I'm going to get out of a meeting. Well, of course, the big news this week, Ray, that we have to talk about, the only thing worth talking about this week is the royal what? wedding. Now, as yes. you know, Ray, I'm a big, big fuck that shit. <laughs> Seriously, what? Let, let me let me. The fuck me is wrong with all of you? They're, they're, they got too much time in their lives. They're too bored. Hey, uh, here's all you need to know. The queen is worth rough, roughly $300 million. Anybody who marries into the family is probably going to be okay if they're not assassinated by the queen. Let's move on. Yeah. I mean, seriously, people, don't, what the fuck yeah. is wrong with you? Pain? It's 2018. Do we need queens, kings, princes? Exactly. What is right? Like, and okay, the British, you know, like the British have got this thing. I think it's some form of Stockholm syndrome where they've been held, uh-huh. they've been held prisoner by the royal family for so long. They now love the royal family. It's like, oh, please, yeah. please take more of my money, uh, and don't give me this <laughs> shit about. Oh, they're only symbolic. Yeah, they're symbolic of something that's wrong. Something is something that we should have eradicated before the end of the second <laughs> decade of the 21st century. But for the Americans you- to be buying into it this time. Oh, uh, we're we are Anglo freaking files right up the wazoo. Like, and okay, so Chrissy had to ruin my weekend by telling me something about the royal wedding. Um, so there was some black preacher dude from Chicago, I think, that yeah. did the ceremony. Like, did he happen to mention any speech? Oh, by the way, royals, it was uh, your ancestors that sold my ancestors into slavery for 250 years. So thanks very much for that shit. Yeah, uh, thanks no. for the nightmares. Yeah. Anyway. I did not know that the queen meets with the head of the government once a week. You haven't seen uh, the Churchill film? <laughs> no, I, ha- I haven't seen it yet. But the, I mean, I know that when a, a new prime minister comes on, they come in and they chit chat. But I'm talking about now in 2008, the Queen meets with the head of government. There should be no contact whatsoever, except for one. I guess someone comes aboard so you can say congratulations or whatever. But what? Why do they have to meet once a week anyway? I don't know if we have time for this. I kept telling everyone the only time I want to hear any news about the royal wedding is if somebody from ISIS did me a favour and <laughs> blew the whole place up with everybody. And yes, I'm sorry George Clooney would have to go as part of that, but that's what you get for supporting the the, the yeah. concept of a monarchy in the 21st century. Okay, moving on. Uh, another shooting in uh, the United States. Another school shooting, Santa Fe, Texas. Um, don't want to go into a big detail because we've said over and over again, we're done. Right. We're done with mass shootings in America. We don't care anymore. Good luck to you. Hope you all kill each other. That's my basic policy. This is obviously the path that you want to go down. I fully support your right to kill each other off uh, uh, battle royale style. 
Um, last man standing or woman or woman wins. Woo! in the United States wins. That's right. You get you get the big prize. Um, it's just more land for the rest of us is the way I see it. Once yeah. you kill each other off, we can all just walk in. And I'm going to take Yosemite. That's my plan. I'm going to build my house say, at the bottom of El Capitan yeah, and I'll be a happy camper. If I win, I want the Grand Canyon. No, you're an American. You're going to be one of the dead ones, Ray. Oh, that's right. Well, you're I mean, talking I mean, about outside. Well, yeah. I mean, you. I mean, highly unlikely you're going to win. Like, let's let's be honest. Unless you hide. Somewhere. I'm not above that. <laughs> no, I'm not above that. Uh, now, the only reason I wanted to mention this is uh, it breaks the the, the Santa Fe shooter, uh, alleged shooter, although I think he's confessed. Breaks yeah. the, uh, the the normal pattern. Yes, it's a white man, which we've come to expect. Um, but uh, an atheist, not a Christian for once, mm-hmm. and he didn't use an AR-15. I think he had a pistol and a shotgun that he took from his dad. Yeah, he legally owned that, yeah. His father's a big supporter of the NRA. He he likes the spokesperson. I can't remember her name, some brunette. Big fan of hers, according to his Facebook post. Son, for whatever reason, grabs his weapons, goes to the school, kills 10, wounds 13 more. I'm always the the only thing I ever think of these days when I hear these stories is I wanna I want somebody to track down the social media profiles of the parents of the dead kids and have a look right. at their comments after the last school shooting. Yeah, particularly in a place like Texas, where at a guess, say some, most, or all of them are NRA NRA members. Um, and and their attitudes towards gun control before the shooting and after the shooting, and if it has changed, I'm, I'm not being a snide dick about this. Yeah, I'm saying yeah. I really would like to see if this happening so close to home changes their view. And I see it occasionally pop out parents of victims saying that they've changed their view, but it's not something I've seen much on. And to me, that's the that's 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 a big part of the story. That's the most important part of the story, really. I want to hear about is does that change their perspective on gun control at yeah. all? Because uh, have you seen anything like that living in the country? As as I do not, uh, are you aware of whether or not these things tend to change the views of the parents? Or like, no, fuck it, I'm still pro guns, baby. Right. Uh, to be honest with you, as crazy as this going to sound, it's not that I've done any detailed research. It's it's kind of hit or miss for like the Sandy Hook for the kids. There are some, obviously those parents losing very young children. A lot of those are like, okay, we have to do something. We have to do something. They're going to spend the rest of their lives trying to do something. Um, from what I can tell for some, for some parents, incredibly, it does not change their perspective or they somehow justify it or it's a unique situation or whatever. So I don't think it's 100% percent from now on i'm totally against guns against the nra um i would love to, to uh i'd love to see that information like you said but there's a lot of privacy issues that kind of stuff if i could just tie this really quickly to uh, a subject we cut touched on two weeks ago um there might have been some incel related um the uh the young man uh demetrius was hitting on a girl for a couple of weeks if not a couple of months and she kept telling him no 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 and she finally had to stand up in class tell him off pretty much embarrassed him in front of the in front of the class and she was one of the first people that was shot so i don't i can't honestly say 
that I know for a fact that it was related, but she was one of the first people killed. And her mother was, uh, you know, hearing all these stories about this boy who would just not leave her alone. So again, it could have been a part of this puzzle could have been this very young, frustrated guy. But I think, I think what you were saying earlier, the real issues probably comes down to his home environment. I was saying that. Uh, I, I thought you were intimating about his, or you were saying about his parents changing their views, but I wonder what was going on in the home in the first place, you know, for the last couple of years before this started. So I kind of in, uh, assumed that you, what you were getting at. No, not really. Look, I mean, I, okay. you just I, want to know what's going on with the parents. I just want to know if Afterwards. these sorts of things, yeah, it changes the parents' views. I mean, I, Look, some kind, sometimes you get broken kids that are the result of bad home environments, obviously. I think sometimes you just get broken kids. Um, they're broken because something breaks inside of them for a whole variety of reasons. Um, right. not, not necessarily the parents' fault. Um, it can be sure. you know, genetics, uh, the brain's misfiring or is, is wired incorrectly or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but... Um, uh, yeah, I did read that story about the girl. I, I don't think he has said that yet. I mean, and that's another thing that's unusual about this uh, oh, scenario right. is that he's alive. He's, alive. he's surrendered. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, so, some of the other shooters are, have been caught too. And again, I never really hear a lot afterwards about um, what yeah. they have said their motivation was. If this story about this girl is true and she did embarrass him, embarrass him in public, it's a bit of a dick thing to do. But she's a teenage girl, and you know, teenagers well, we've all, do dick. We things, all get right? embarrassed. We we all get all the guys get embarrassed at some point by a girl who she tells us no, she stumbles us or whatever. We don't get a gun, so I'm I'm saying if it is related and we don't don't know that it is, you know that again that goes back to his uh, mental makeup. Real quick before we move on, and I'm not saying that we're moving on, but I just imagine 20 years from now because we all know these shootings aren't going to stop. We know nothing's going to change. No one's going to pass any laws. Nothing's going to be altered in any way. 20 years from now. As the rate of shootings increase or continues, and you've got an entire generation of people, say 20 years from now, 25 years, where they either have been involved in a shooting or they know someone or they're related to someone who's been in a shooting, I wonder what that generation will try to do. They'll probably end up having to do something very radical. But again, as, as crazy as, thing, as these things are, you've got to think at some point you hope and pray it comes to a head and somebody steps forward and does something. But it's it's not going to happen anytime soon. Mm, yeah. Might not happen then either. I mean, I guess uh, from a gun control perspective, the point of this is that the, the kid shouldn't have been able to get his hands on his father's guns. They're supposed right, to be. They should be locked up. Um, father should have the only key, because um, you just you know you, you can't trust teenagers yeah. around guns. Even if you think he's the greatest kid in the world, you just can't let kids have access to guns. Yeah. I wanted to mention too, by the way, that I don't know if you heard about this uh, where you are, but Australia had its first mass shooting in twenty-two years. I did read. I did cover it really quickly T give me some details how many people died uh you know? i think it was five maybe including the shooter it was a murder suicide basically uh, i think uh -huh. sort of a farmer uh thinking wa uh west australia that is not washington um uh, killed his his wife his adult daughter her kids and Jeez. then and then called his ex-son-in-law or son-in-law 
Um, and, and then I think even called the police and 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 confessed to what he had done, and then shot himself. Um, so Jeez. technically, there was more than four dead. So it is a, a mass shooting, murder, suicide. Right. Uh, not exactly a guy walking into a school or a mall or shooting from a yeah. hotel window. Not but, random. Yeah, technically, uh, and, and again because I think he was a farmer, he had a he had a, a license for a weapon. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty hard to avoid that kind of thing. Um, obviously, a mental health issue, um, but the first one we've had in twenty-two years. But we did we did have one, so there you go. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on because uh, I didn't want to spend too much time on that. Uh, this fucking FBI informant story, man. This is uh, the this is a crazy, crazy story on so many levels. Uh, I'm going to need you to bring me up to speed because I'm I've reached my saturation point, so I'm a little vague on this. So so please give me the basics. You're just a little vague, Ray. And then by little, it's not a short joke, although you are. Very, very short. <laughs> very short. Um, I have feelings, you know. No, you don't. I've, I've, no. I've, I've killed them. You stripped those away. I stripped those away and you use alcohol to deaden. I appreciate left. that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, this is really hard to follow, man. So for those of you unaware, <laughs> uh, Donald Trump's crazy. Uh, and Donald Trump, for the last couple of years, has been going on about the Obama administration spying on him during mm-hmm. the 2016 campaign. And everyone said he was crazy and it was raw bullshit and it never happened and blah, 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 blah. And it turns out he was right. Um, so there you go. Uh, Donald Trump was right about something. Let's all stand and applaud. Stop. Yeah. Um, now... This is a really, really uh, weird story. So apparently over the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, rumours have been trickling around Washington, the story that the FBI actually did have an informant inside the Trump presidential campaign who was feeding information back to the FBI. And when this news started to circulate and and it looked like uh, news was going to come out about this and the guy was going to be named, uh, a, a lot of senior politicians in Washington went apeshit trying to stop the news from coming out. And not Republicans, Democrats. The top Democrat on the Senate Intelligence Committee, a guy called Mark Warner, Right. Um, who, by the way, uh, spent a lot of the last couple of weeks making sure that the uh, torturer in chief, Gina Haspel, would be uh, would successfully get the job to run the CIA. Democrats mm-hmm. trying to yep. get a, a confirmed and admitted torturer running the CIA. So uh, good work, Democrats. Um, thanks for you know watching everybody, <laughs> watching out for everybody. You're the good guys. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, he actually threatened his own colleagues in Congress with criminal prosecution if they tried to obtain the identity of this informant. Wow. He said, anyone who's entrusted with our nation's highest secrets should act with the gravity and seriousness of purpose that knowledge deserves. Now, there was the suggestion, it was a bit like the Valerie Plame affair back from the George W. Bush era, that if this person's name should be made public, mm-hmm. 
you know, governments would topple. Uh, it would that that it would put his life at risk, his family's life at risk. He's a top secret operative, etc., etc., etc. So, a couple of media organisations. I think it was uh, the New York Times and maybe C uh, and the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. They didn't name the guy in their stories on this. They just described him with to within an inch of his life. So <laughs> everyone knew who they were talking about. Everyone in the know knew who they were talking about. But they didn't use his name. They said, right. oh, hey, 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 we didn't use his name. Yes, we said he's the guy that's married to uh, Mrs. Helper. No. Uh, and gave his address and put a photo of him up there. But we didn't give his... no. They basically described him um, in a way that made it obvious who he was. And it turns out uh, this guy is uh, a, a known informer. <laughs> um, it wasn't mm-hmm. in his. His name's Stefan Halper, and he's a former CIA operative. Now, this is a story I hadn't heard. I thought I'd heard all the stories, Ray, but I hadn't heard this story. So Wait appara- on me. Apparently, way back in the 1980 election... Wow. The, the Reagan campaign used CIA uh, operatives managed by this guy, Stefan Halper, who's with the CIA at the time, mm-hmm. who was under the direction of former CIA director and then vice presidential candidate George H.W. Bush right. to spy on the Carter administration. Um, to, to, to see if they were, what they were doing in terms of foreign policy decisions, because you know the whole Iran hostage scenario was going oh, yeah. on at the time. And so they had the CIA spying on the incumbent White House to tell a candidate what policy decisions they were making in terms of foreign policy so Reagan would be able to counter them in his own speeches and stuff. Now... That's uh, that's pretty extraordinary. To have, Does it cross in a line? Feels uh, like it. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, for a start, I thought the CIA wasn't allowed to do anything right. within the borders of the United States. They're, there they're, are no rules for the CIA. <laughs> yeah, there are. I'm pretty, pretty sure there are some rules, uh, particularly after the Church Committee in 1975 Right, you know, uncovered the fact that the well revealed publicly that the CIA had overturned sixty gun- countries of the governments. Sorry, the governments of sixty countries were trying to assassinate leaders, had assassinated leaders, all this kind of stuff. They were like, oh, "Okay, well, we're never doing that again." Um, in fact, George W. H. W. Bush's directorship of the CIA, if I get my if my timelines are right was um, supposed to be part of the cleanup act of the CIA right mm. didn't he come yeah. in didn't he come in after the church committee he was supposed to clean it up and uh, make sure that they followed the rules I'm just scrolling I, yeah 76 I think you're right. yeah. 76 to 77 he was the uh, director of the CIA Not a, I think the new rule was not to get caught anymore. yeah that's it yeah yeah, yeah. so then so here we had a, a, a candidate using the CIA to spy on the White House. <laughs> now that was in nineteen. Yeah. That was in nineteen eighty, and apparently 
this story broke a few years later. It was a big, big deal, um, but something I certainly had never heard of. Yeah. So this time you got the reverse happening. You had the White House spying on a candidate's campaign. Right. Now, just real quick, I had read that the FBI did not have enough uh, evidence to open a criminal investigation into members of the Trump campaign. So instead of that, instead of opening a proper criminal investigation, they started a counterintelligence investigation to see if there was something more to it. So it was like, there's smoke, we don't know about fire, but we need to find out. And so to me, that, of course, that's the FBI. Um, To me, that seems like that's something you want to do. Hey, there's something that's possible. We need to look into it because there might be a connection between some of his campaign people and the Russians. I I just, to me, that sounded like the the proper step to take. But of course, there's the whole political aspect of it. Mm. Uh, Before we get into the Trump thing, I just want to point out that in the, in the Reagan one, the, the guys who were doing the spying were retired CIA uh, agents. Um, So apparently that made it okay. They weren't on the CIA. No, seriously, they weren't on the CIA payroll. Yeah, outside the loop. Neither was George H.W. Bush. So when you have a former CIA director uh, running a a spying operation on the White House uh, (laughs) using former CIA operatives, that's okay. You would think that would be treason, right? Spying on Treason-ish. Spying on the White House would be treason. I, I imagine, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, Ray, despite rumors, but uh, that's not anymore anyway. But I, I would expect that yeah. that sounds, sounds treasony treason. to me. Yeah, a little bit treasony. Yeah. A little and light treason. Anyway, nothing happened. Of course, they, uh, they, they just skated on that because by the time the news came out, Reagan was the president. So he's going to fucking yeah. do anything. It's yet. all good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but now, so this guy Halper is, uh, been out of the official agency business for a long time. He's been a, 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 um, I think he was an advisor during the George W. Bush administration. Um, he's been around, you know, the Bush family in their circles for a long time. Yeah. Um, Sounds like a fixer. Yeah. And we know there's no love, um, lost between the Bushes and the Trumps. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> yeah, George W. Bush said, "Look, I'm a cunt, no. but come on, <laughs> like even I, even I draw the line." Low energy. <laughs> Trump it, is low energy. Yeah. When it comes to Trump, um, <laughs> but the but the big story here, at least from Glenn Greenwald's perspective, Glenn Greenwald writing in the Intercept, is not so much that it happened, although that is a big story, and that Trump was right, and that's a big story, and the fact that Trump's Claims about this for the last couple of years have been dismissed by mm-hmm. the government, uh, which would be tantamount to the government lying to the people, I would think, and the media, which is tantamount to the media just accepting the government's propaganda or the previous government's propaganda um, and not doing any uh, 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 detailed digging before they talked about it. But right. the fact that they're trying to keep this guy's name a secret, I mean, reading some of the coverage about this, this is the real head-scratcher. Why are they trying to keep this guy's name? Why Why is Mark Warner, this uh, top Democrat senator, trying to keep Halper's name not only yeah. out of the press but to stop other senators from 
from knowing. From knowing his name. Yeah. And so that's part one of the story. Part two of the story is, according to the timeline as it's now coming together, so you know the whole, the whole story about uh, uh, Trump and, and Russia, uh, the, the official version of the story now is it started when uh, 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 a diplomat called George Papadopoulos well, right. uh, uh, well, he was, uh, I think he was part of the Trump campaign or something like that mm-hmm. at this stage. I can't exactly remember what his deal was. Um, part of the former, uh, he was a former member of the Foreign Policy Advisory Panel to uh, Trump's campaign. The Papa uh, had drinks with uh, former Australian uh, Minister Alexander Downer. Who, mm-hmm. who really does live up to that name. He's a complete <laughs> Debbie Downer. Um, had drinks with him. I think Downer was the ambassador to the United Kingdom at the time. They're in London. They have drinks for some reason. And he mentioned something about Trump having connections to the Russians or they were going to get dirt on Hillary Clinton via the Russians or something. And Alexander Downer, being a snitch, snitch snitchy little bitch, reported that information to uh, the Americans and it led to the FBI opening investigation into Trump's connections with Russia. Now, the point is that the Halper story goes back before that. Halper was spying Ah. on the Trump campaign before Papadopoulos had gay drinky times with Alexander Downer. Alexander Downer. I mean, if you ever see this guy, very quite obviously a closeted gay man. Uh, I, I would guess allegedly, he says. Come case, out, just case, come out. We did. Just in case out. lawyers are listening, yeah, right. You don't even have to be gay to come out anymore. You can be completely straight and Rainbow come out. Bus. Yeah, right. <laughs> we need to do next time we're together in a country somewhere, which will be Europe in about a month. We should get a rainbow bus and just travel yeah. around and do our own. Ray and Cam's rainbow bus. <laughs> I like that idea. Huge. <laughs> Huge. Um, <clears throat> so uh, weird story. That's that's all I got on that. But I guess they're, they're the key things here is uh, Trump was getting spied on. Although I like there's a bit of a, uh, a Twitter war going on between a guy from CNN and a guy from the New York Times about whether or not it's actually spying. Um, the, the New York Times are saying he's he wasn't a spy. And CNN are saying, uh, Andrew Kaczynski from CNN is like, uh, well, hello, how is it not spying? <coughs> Trip Gabriel, which is a fake name if ever I've heard one, from the New York Times quoted M- Merriam Webster, but he, he wrote Miriam Webster as like the girl's name. I was like, hey, hello, you're a fucking journalist and you, you don't even know how to spell Merriam Webster, right? Anyway, he says, spying is to watch secretly, usually for hostile purposes. And then he says, a law enforcement investigation is not generally hostile toward a target. It's to protect the public from wrongdoing. So Bullshit. That's how the New York Times is uh, spinning it on behalf of the uh, former Obama administration and uh, the Democrat yep. deep state, <clears throat> elements of the deep state. It wasn't spying. Yes, it was the FBI, <laughs> but the FBI wasn't spying. Buying, they were just keeping a close eye on him for my safety. Mm. Although you know, I would I would say that uh, 
if you suspect that somebody is uh, is doing something sneaky and you're you're keeping an eye on their activities, you do have hostile purposes. You want to you want to arrest them and put them in jail. That's hostile. It's not friendly. Well, hey, buddy, and just going to arrest you, and throw you in jail because you're awesome. No, that's a no hostile hard feelings. Yeah, in this in this politically charged environment, everything is hostile. Yeah, good good quote. That's that's going on a coffee mug. Everything is hostile. <laughs> Ray Harris, 2018. <laughs> so let's do this next story because oh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm excited no, about the next. Story, I was just gonna, even though I don't understand it. Go I was ahead. just going to wrap that up by saying keep an yeah. eye on that story yeah. because something weird is going on with that story, and I'm sure more will come out. Yeah. Okay, you want to get on the next story? <clears throat> well, I don't understand it, but I'm looking I'm looking forward to your interpretation because it's one of those things that makes my brain freeze out. Well, you should understand it because we did a whole mini podcast well, ba- the on. basics yeah but to really oh my god this guy's amazing go so, ahead as, as some as some of you may know in 2011 i wrote a, a book tiny book more of a long pamphlet um called the three illusions Booklet. yeah um it was basically my uh attempt at, at condensing my personal philosophy which you know my understanding of of myself and the world around me and the universe based on a lifetime of reading of everything from quantum physics through to to Eastern philosophy and philosophy in general, try and condense it down into a book. Um, mm-hmm. And the three illusions that I talk about, uh, one is the illusion of identity, one is the illusion of free will, and the other is the illusion of time. That were the three mm-hmm. illusions I, I, I think are central to understand. If you want to, if you want to have a happy life, um, they're the three things. If you want to have deep peace, lifetime of deep fundamental peace, no anger, no anxiety, no no depression, no uh, uh, resentment or guilt in your life. The three illusions you need to understand. And and um, so I was interested to see uh, stories pop up in the last week about the physicist Carlo Rovelli who has come out with a new book called The Order of Time. And uh, here's, a, here's a quote um, from uh, George Eaton in The New Statesman. Um, the Italian theoretical physicist dismantles our most fundamental assumptions about the subject. The sense of time flowing has nothing to do with physics and everything to do with our brain. Ravelli explained when we met at his publisher's offices in London. The past and future, for instance, are purely human constructs. At the microscopic level, they are indistinguishable. Time passes at different rates depending on place, moving faster in the mountains and slower at sea level, and motion. A runner ages less quickly than a walker. Albert Einstein intuited this more than a century ago. Technology has since confirmed his insights. We now have clocks that clearly measure the different speed at which time goes in different places, Rovelli said. As soon as interplanetary travel develops, it'll be obvious that we can age at different speeds. The astronaut can go for a trip and come back and find her children are older than her. So this is how Rovelli uh, explains it in his book, apparently. When we speak of time... We are, in fact, referring to entropy, the tendency of all systems to progress from order to disorder. 
Waves break but do not unbreak. We grow older, not younger. Entropy was lower in the past and will be greater in the future. So basically, he's written this book, and this is guy's a, a, a hardcore physicist. He works at the Center for Theoretical Physics at Marseille, in, in uh, Marseille University in France. Um, and uh, interesting guy too, like uh, grew up as a political revolutionary, um, uh, then got into physics. But wow. um, it's important, and you know, of course, everything in my book was uh, based on hard physics to the best of my ability to understand physics, mm-hmm. not not being a trained physicist, but having read a shit ton of fucking books over the years and being, <laughs> you know, rel- r- relatively relatively smart. Um, yeah. Uh, so here, it's 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 uh, it's important to understand. I tell you why it's important to understand. Time is an illusion. Because a lot of people spend their lives, uh, Ray, uh, worrying about the future. What's mm-hmm. what's going to happen to me, to my children, to my partner, to my family, to my friends, to the world uh, tomorrow, or a month from now, or a year from now, or twenty, or fifty years from now? People spend a lot of a lot of a lot of time worrying about that. What's going to happen? In my job. What's going to happen in my relationship? All those sorts of things. What's going to happen with my health? So what physics teaches us, though, is that that's a mistaken idea about how time works. We, we tend to think that we are traveling through time, that we are in the now moment, and that the future mm-hmm. moment, tomorrow, a year from now, hasn't happened yet. So we will get to that at some point, and then something will happen. And that the past, what happened yesterday or 10 years ago or 100 years ago, is gone. Gone forever. You know, it's um, whatever. Disappeared. So what physics explains is that, well, that's not actually uh, what what the universe looks like. So the the common uh, terminology for this is what they refer to as the block universe. Uh, So if you think about it as a loaf of bread... Imagine you get a really fucking huge loaf of bread and you slice it in really, 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 really small, like uh, uh, poorly uh, slicing garlic with a razor blade in prison in Goodfellas. Right. 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 Yeah. It, to, to, to make it <laughs> get as much surface area as possible for his uh, spaghetti sauce. That's how thinly you're going to slice this loaf of bread. Every slice is a moment that you are traveling through in a way, but Mm -hmm. the loaf of bread already exists in its entirety. So the future, the way that physicists explain it, guys like Brian Greene and his books on uh, physics, which I recommend for everyone if you are interested in science and you haven't read Brian Greene's books, The Fabric of the Cosmos, etc., definitely read them. They're very, very uh, accessible. Um. What the block universe theory means is that everything that is going to happen in the future is already happening right now somewhere in the universe. Mm. And everything that has happened in the past is still happening right now somewhere in the universe. So what, what are the implications of that from a philosophy perspective well it means that everything that is going to happen to you or to the people around you or in the world 
has already happened. Right. So, A, you can't change it. Nothing can change it because it's already happened. So stop worrying about it. And B, that's the mm. second thing. Stop worrying about it. It's already happened. Whatever is going to happen in the future has already happened. Um, and and I- there's no point worrying about it. It's like, would you worry about something that happened 50 years ago? Uh, no, because it's happened. You just deal mm-hmm. with it. You don't worry about things that happened in the past. You just deal with the consequences of those, as you will deal with the consequences of things that happen in the future. So I, I think by integrating this hard physical view of the universe into your daily philosophy can r- help remove things like uh, anxiety and worry. You want to ask a question? Uh, yeah, just, just to follow up, because when I read this article, it w- I had the initial reaction when I first read your book, The Three Illusions. My initial reaction was, well, humans need the concept of time to make sense of what's going on because it gives us a beginning and middle and an end. But what you're saying is that, no, that's one of the things where you're, it's almost trapping you. You're perceiving reality wrong and you need to change your thinking or free it up. So you don't have those levels of stress about what's going to happen in the future. Am I going to do well on that test? Or am I, and when I ask this girl out, is she going to say yes? So it's those concepts that we've hung on to for so long that are now holding us down. And, and people like him and you are thinking differently and trying to pull those away from us so we can see reality differently or, or more accurately. I don't think it's a problem to have a construct. Constructs are useful. Uh-huh. Constructs right. are a useful construct. Um, but the the problem is when you forget they're a construct and you ah. start treating them like they're reality. Like, the for example, well, yeah. you know, and, and the, the, the illusion of identity in the book, as you know, talks about the fact that, well, really, Cameron doesn't exist as some sort of an independent entity. That's an illusion. Cameron is just a collection of trillions of atoms that are uh, coming and going constantly into and out right. of into and out of Cameron, um, and and uh, so the idea of Cameron is just a construct. It's a, it's 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 a it's a shorthand that my brain mm-hmm. has concocted um, because a my brain can't see at the level of atoms. It it, it, it sees a much higher order of just basically light, um, and it's an idea. Cameron is a construct. Cameron is an idea. That is that is a useful idea in some ways. Um, I'm glad I don't have to name all of the trillions of atoms individually and, and refer to them separately every time I wanted to say I need to go take a piss. But when you mistake the construct for the reality causes problems. You start thinking you're real, you get into all sorts of shit. When you realize, oh, it's just atoms, when I realize my wife is just atoms, my son, my children, all my sons, my colleagues, my clients, just atoms, um, then I stop uh, 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 giving them agency that they don't really have and it, and it just removes a whole foundation of things that could cause problems. So the constructs are okay. Just know that they're constructs and don't uh. take them literally. Like God, man, like uh, 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 the, the, the mythical archetypes of human society, gods and monsters and demons and uh, these things, these are, these are mythologies uh, that were created to, to tell a story to help explain 
the world that primitive people saw around them. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Myths are great fun. You and I talk about them all the time on our history shows. A lot of fun. Um, and and there's definitely lessons that can be learned from these these mythologies, uh, good and bad. But uh, when you start thinking the myth is reality, then then you've got problems. And the same is true of your identity and the concept of time, according to me and rock star physicist Carlo Rovelli. <laughs> Uh, well said moving on another science story um just quickly uh i i read that uh a a, a facility in um some part of europe iceland not even europe Mm -hmm. um has figured out how to turn carbon into rock again and bury it inside a volcano Nice. Is Iceland part of Europe, technically? I don't know. I don't freaking know. I'm not even going to pretend to know that one. <laughs> They're all up there by themselves. I don't yeah. know. I'm sorry, Ice- Icelanders who are listening to this. Let, let us know. Are you part of Europe? Yeah. Are you not part of Europe? Make up your fucking your mind. your own thing. Iceland? <laughs> in between Jesus Christ. Iceland, just make up your mind. I I think they did join uh, the European Economic Area um, at some yep. point, uh, according to Wikipedia. Quick search. Um, so there's a place called the Helishidi Power Station. Probably pronounced that wrong, but fuck it. That's what you get for writing things in Icelandic. Um, outside Reykjavik, uh, it, it's a geothermal plant, one of the largest in the world. And what they are now doing is they're creating energy, um, geothermal, hot water, steam, etc. But yeah. they are they are able to grab CO two, and mm-hmm. instead of releasing it into the atmosphere, they're able Which to is bad. put it through put it through. Yeah, apparently, that's bad. Who knew? <laughs> apparently, they are able to uh, capture it, turn it into rock. Yeah, by uh, injecting it into water, so it's like they said it's like a big soda soda machine, a big fizzy right. fizzy drink machine. They're able to uh, 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 stick it into water, get it to, to to absorb into water, and then they sink it down into the ground, where it quickly uh, uh, solidifies into porous mm. basalt. And it will stay down there for hundreds of millions of years. And at this point, the plant can get rid of a third, as far as I read, it can get rid of a third of its own CO2 emissions. So that's pretty darn impressive. That's a lot better than anybody else is doing. Maybe we're all not going to die one day, at least of this, if these people can really uh, work on this and take it to the next level. Mm. Good for you, Iceland. Yeah, so uh, last year, the Carb Fix, which is, uh, funnily enough, ironically, the name of my diet, and also this uh, process, was able to take 10,000 tonnes of CO2 and stick it in the rock. Now, do you know how much CO2 the world produces every year at the moment? No idea. How much? 30 to 40 gigatons. So (laughs) 10,000 tonnes isn't a lot. Got to start somewhere. Got to start yeah. somewhere, yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is something that my friend, Dr. Peter Elliard, um, has been talking to me about for 10 years, the ability to 
grab he he's got a friend who's a researcher uh, inventor and and this guy's um uh, uh proposal is that we build right across the planet these large like chimneys that go into the atmosphere suck mm-hmm carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere down so rather than these uh, chimneys uh. pushing shit out it's it's a big uh suction uh tube don't get too excited right it sucks it in too late uh, pulls it down into uh into factories where it gets turned into i think he actually said limestone um, but apparently wow. these guys can do it with basalt and and deposits it on the ocean floor or or deep down into the uh, core of the planet, so maybe yeah. maybe science will come up with something that can uh, fix our increasing carbon uh, problem. These uh, good, but cheers to the Icelanders for uh, having yes. a crack. All right, let's get on to the big one, um, big story for today. We've only got fifteen minutes, and we have to go through it. Oh, Hitler's Hitler's dead, by the way. Let's just 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 jump to that story and cover that off. Hitler, Hitler really Spoiler. is. Hitler really is dead. They say um, new study of uh, teeth that the Russians had taken from the bunker, uh, mm-hmm. which apparently been compared to Hitler's dental records that some woman managed to get uh, out of Berlin in 1945. I never knew wow. that. Did you ever hear that story mm-hmm. before? No, no, I had not. I, I heard they took his skull and to to. Russia and it got lost for a while, but that's all I've heard. And then, the, then somebody looked at it a couple of years ago and they said, "Oh, this is a woman's skull. This isn't a man's skull at all." Yeah. And we were like, "Aha! Hitler, yeah. Hitler lives, baby." Um, Argentina. Yeah. Well, apparently, uh, 1945, uh, some woman uh, uh, managed to get hold of Hitler's dental records from mm-hmm. uh, I don't know the top Nazi dentist. That would be a good job. But so, yeah. So what do you do, Wilhelm? Oh, I am the Nazi dentist. I am the head Nazi dentist. Uh, all, the, all the teeth of the Führer and the... the uh, trying to think of the... The, the gums? The, <laughs> I am clean. You know, they come in once a week for a checkup and they're clean. And, uh, no, anyway. Um, yeah, this is... This is uh, 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 who was the woman? Memoirs, uh, they were back in the last month, the memoirs of a Russian interpreter who worked in Berlin in 1945 were published in English for the first time. She recounted how she had been tasked mm. with proving Hitler's death by tracking down his dental records in the ruined German capital and seeing if they matched wow. a set of teeth she had been entrusted with, which they did. Now, how, uh, how an, a Russian interpreter knew how to match dental records with teeth isn't explained in the Telegraph, but... Uh, <laughs> well-rounded people. Yeah. Liberal education. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Soviets were well-known for their liberal education. Um, so, uh, anyway, the, these teeth have been studied again recently and compared with these dental records. There was evidence of cyanide being used. There was a bluish... Uh, 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 tint uh, in in between some of the teeth, which they said might have been a chemical reaction between the cyanide and the metal of the dentures. Um, so now they're saying they're not sure if a bullet to the head killed him or a cyanide capsule or maybe a bit of both. But uh, all I can say is this is exactly what Hitler would want us to think. Mm-hmm. He deliberately left fake dental records 
and a set of teeth that matched them in the burned up corpse. Brilliant. You know. So, you know, trust me, folks. He's still out there, Hitler. He's watching over he's, us. He's making. He's, he's on the dark his, side of the moon. Planning yeah. his comeback. Mecca Hitler right. will return in 2019. <laughs> anyway, under the real story, I want to talk about now. This is. I've oh, fuck. I've seen a lot of crazy shit about this. So, big news story in the last over the last week was Trump apparently referred to immigrants as animals. There was a clip of him meeting with uh, some people in the White House. They were talking about immigration. He said, uh, these people are animals and we're stopping them. We're trying to stop them coming into our country. America has the dumbest laws on immigration in the world. He said, you wouldn't believe how bad these people are. These aren't people. These are animals. We're taking them out of the country at a level and a rate that's never happened before. Here, I've got a clip. Oh, fuck, that's a 53-minute clip. I don't want to play that. Fuck that. Um, So anyway, story ran around for a couple of days, and then it came out that the clip that had been circulating on Twitter and places like that by the mainstream media um, was uh, didn't actually show you the the earlier bit of the conversation where they're specifically talking about MS-13, a gang. Uh, Right. And Trump is referring to MS-13 as being animals, not... Uh, just immigrants in general. Now, the the pro-Trump elements of the media and and Facebook and Twitter and people like that went fucking crazy uh, yeah. uh, in in victory celebration laps. Took their clothes off, painted their bodies, <laughs> sprayed whipped cream all over themselves, <laughs> and yeah. and and uh, uh, criticizing the uh, so-called liberal media for trying to besmirch the reputation of a great and brave man. You want to go read the comment sections, or you don't really because it's soul-destroying, but read some of the comment sections on some of the media stories here. Uh, appalling. Oh, just appalling. But I, I just want – yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, after you. Okay, I just wanted to add that, uh, yeah, so again, um, like you were saying, the, le- the media on the left took it out of context because I-, I saw the same thing for a couple of days, but I was so disgusted with all the Trump stories. I assumed it was correct and I didn't dig into it anymore until I was getting ready for the show. Uh, so, yeah, so they took it out of context. He was talking about this gang, but you have to admit that he has been so not nice to immigrants ever since he's been running for office that when you hear a story like this, it, it does fit in the wider narrative. And so you're, you might be disgusted, but you're not surprised. So the reason it was able to run for a couple of days is because he has said other not nice things about people who are not white. Yeah. Like surprise, surprise, scumbag, racist president says scumbaggy, yeah, racist exactly. sounding things. And people uh, uh, assume. Who's he- it? Yeah, assume the wrong thing. Shock horror. Now, fair call. This is gets back to um, something we've been talking about for a long time. The the media should have fact checked this and watched the whole yeah. thing before they uh, perpetuated this meme that he had said something he hadn't said. And the fact that they didn't do that is an mm. indication, not that they're liberal, because they're not fucking liberal. They're, they're owned by giant corporations that are about as conservative as you can get. They might be liberal compared to the extreme crazy right, but they're not liberal right. in a true dictionary uh, sense um, or political sense. 
But they do have a narrative. There is this uh, narrative of Trump is crazy and evil and we need to get rid of him. And Mm -hmm. they also don't do a very good job of being balanced and of doing uh, the the basic work of the fourth estate, which is fact-checking and and providing somewhat of a a neutral uh, reporting of the facts. Um, and don't say that we don't do that either because we're not the fucking news people. This is uh, yeah. a, an opinion show uh, where I have an opinion and Ray agrees with it. That's basically exactly the way this show works. Um, but that's not the story I want to talk about. Now, the story I want to talk about is who is MS-13 and where did they come from? Mm-hmm. Not, not. I haven't paid a lot of attention to MS-13. This is really the first time I've dug down into it. As an American, Ray, do you hear much about MS-13 before Trump uh, brought it up? Very few times, just that they're animals. They seem to be um, more than just inside the United States, uh, spanning several countries. They're brutal. They uh, they do whatever they have to do. Because like we were saying on the bullshit filter, they purposefully garner a reputation of brutality and fear to keep people in line. But that's pretty much the extent of what I know about these people. I'm assuming drugs and other stuff. Yes. Is their business. So MS-13, the MS stands for Microsoft. They're basically a bunch of ex-Microsoft employees that- uh, I knew it! Uh, you know, so let's fuck, all the, let's fuck all the pretense. Uh, they snapped. Let's just sell drugs and kill people, right? <laughs> uh, they've, as, as an ex-Microsoft employee, they did ask me to join, but- uh, You said you weren't tough enough. <laughs> so no, it's not That's me. Right. That's not, I'm not- I'm they, a lover. They said in order to join, you have to kill someone, and then we have to uh, beat you up afterwards. And I was like, well, the killing someone, that's easy, but I don't want to get punched. <laughs> don't. I don't want anyone. Don't mess with this perfection of my face, man. Like, uh, that seriously is how you join MS-13. You have to kill someone, and yeah. then your own crew beats you up for a while. Um, yeah. MS actually stands for Mara Salvatruca. Um, mm. which no one seems to really know what that means. There's a couple of different theories, but and the 13 is just a number that got attached to it at some point. But they're, they're a, a criminal gang that originated in Los Angeles uh, in mm. the 1980s. Now, uh, uh, if kind of if you listen to Trump, it sounds like they're they're a, a gang from Latin America that's made its way into the U.S. Not the right. case. They started in the U.S. Now, my understanding is that uh, uh, the, it was originally made up of guys that come from El Salvador in the 80s, moved to L.A. Uh, uh, they're living in uh, the sort of immigrant districts in L.A., East L.A., places like that, where Mexicans and, and uh, the black population looked down upon them and so they ended up creating criminal gangs in order to protect the El Salvadorians uh, from the Mexicans and, and some of the black gangs and some of the other um, right. ethnic minorities that were there. Uh, now, why did they move to the U.S. from El Salvador? This is the part of the story that I wanted to focus on. By the way, yeah, they are very brutal they're best known for covering themselves in uh, tats, using a lot of gothic-looking script. Very, very brutal. They love to uh, uh, stab uh, people hundreds of times and uh, chop heads mm. off and leave their heads lying around. And as you said, we've just been covering this on our War on Drugs series on the Bullshit Filter. That uh, This goes back to when um, 
drug gangs were created by Arnold Rothstein in the 30s in the United States. The, the need to uh, use extreme violence to stop other gangs from uh, taking your drugs, basically. Um, they right. needed to cr- create a culture of terror because they couldn't use the legal system to say, oh, excuse mm. me, officer, he stole my illegal drugs. <laughs> they needed to... Uh, uh, and the theory is that well, you can't kill everyone... So, uh, in you know, in order to just kill people, in order to prevent having to kill people nicely, you do extremely brutal things once, right? To scare people off. Uh, the the more brutally you torture and kill one person, hopefully that dissuades other people from you know stepping on your toes. Anywho, uh, they are very brutal. But the the question that's not getting a lot of media play is where they came from in the first place. Now. I'm not sure how many uh, people are, are aware of the history of this, but there was a there was a civil war in El Salvador in the 80s and into the 90s. Uh, you and I lived through it. I remember the media coverage of it at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in the news a lot when I was a kid. Um, and uh, what people don't may, people may have heard of that, but what they may not realize is America's involvement in that war, as with pretty much all of the uh, civil wars in Latin America and South America uh, over the course of the last 70 years. Basic situation was uh, El Salvador had a a far right-wing military dictatorship in the country, had it for a long time, Mm -hmm. it was very brutal, and there was uh, a revolution, an attempted revolution, uh, basically, Marxist guerrillas trying to overthrow the right-wing government. Uh, same thing had happened, as I said, in, in a number of different countries, Cuba being the most famous one going back in the late 50s. Um, and as always, the United States intervened to support the far right-wing government against the leftist guerrillas. Because we were in the height of the Cold War and anybody who was a communist or leftist obviously had to be bad and therefore the enemy. Well, you may have heard me on shows over the last year or so talk about the Kirkpatrick Doctrine. Uh, Mm -hmm. Gene Kirkpatrick was um, part of the Reagan administration. She uh, came up with the, the, the theory, which is now the Kirkpatrick Doctrine, which basically says... It's better for the United States to support a far-right dictatorship than to support or even allow a left-wing government to come to power. Mm. Because you might be able to sit down and have a negotiation or talk with a far-right-wing government uh, and and get them them in line. They'll work with us. The leftist governments, the Marxist socialist governments, will probably not work with us. So it's in our best interests in terms of uh, trade and, and economic cooperation and those sorts of things to have a to support far right wing brutal dictatorships. Now uh, Kirkpatrick um, was actually involved in the El Salvador War, um, and she she lied about it. Now the the U.S. were well aware that the uh, El Salvadoran uh, military. Mm-hmm. was creating massive 
uh, uh, acts of brutality on its own people. Uh, famously, there was uh, three Roman Catholic nuns and a lay missionary who were raped and murdered, and they were all from America. America, they were American uh, nuns and lay missionary mm. raped and murdered by the Salvadorian military. A uh, month after Ronald Reagan was uh, elected president, they were being supported by Reagan at the time, the the the, the Salvadoran military, um, and uh, there was others. Uh, Alnulfo Romero, who was uh, Oscar Alnulfo Romero, who's an archbishop, anti-violence uh, uh, archbishop in um, El Salvador. He was murdered as well. Um, and all of this stuff was sort of covered up by successive American administrations, Reagan, mm. George H. W. Bush. Uh, anyway, um, uh, Jeannie Kirkpatrick was asked at one point, and she was one of Reagan's top foreign policy advisors at the time, if she thought the government, the Salvadoran government, involved in these things. She said, the answer is unequivocal. No, I don't think the government was responsible. The nuns were not just nuns. She said the nuns were also political activists, so therefore it's it's okay to rape it's and murder okay. them. Yeah, that's a right. Saint Augustine uh, approach to that. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Yeah, right. Um, so this is where. So the point is that this civil war went on for over a decade, um, supported very deeply by the Americans in terms of funding and weapons and training. And uh, so this is when a lot of the uh, Salvadorian uh, uh, immigration happened to Los Angeles, and uh, th- which led to MS-13. So mm. uh, uh, as we have seen time and time again, America gets involved in one of these situations, makes a bad situation worse. Uh, this happened in, in, in Iraq. Uh, it's happened in the Middle East. Um, just to name two, they go in, they, they make a bad situation worse, and then they spawn their own problem as a result. The Mujahideen came out of America's involvement in trying to kick the Russians out of Afghanistan. They funded and trained what ended up becoming mm-hmm. Al-Qaeda. Um, ISIS emerged out of American involvement in getting rid of Saddam Hussein out of Iraq. Uh, and then, uh, then ISIS, of course, went on to cause trouble in all sorts of all, all different parts of the Middle East, including Iraq and, and Syria and the Syrian civil war and all that kind of stuff. Um, and MS-13 also uh, was spawned in part, at least, by the involvement of the uh, American military in supporting far right wing dictatorship in El Salvador in the eighties and nineties. But you're not going to hear a lot of that in the mainstream media coverage of MS-13 that is happening uh, right now uh, in the media. They might say US-supported government is about all you will get uh, in the mainstream mm-hmm. media coverage. But again, and this is this is how the US media tends to work on these things, it's uh, sin of omission, right? They don't. Right. They just don't go there. Uh, we just won't bring that up. Really, the fact that uh, we supported them all these years uh, for, for you know over a decade to commit acts of brutality and that they weren't brought to trial afterwards. Uh, nobody, you know, either on either side, you know, we didn't bring the um, El Salvadorians who committed acts of brutality to, to, to justice, nor did we bring the American politicians or military leaders that supported them. Um, 
America spent hundreds of millions of dollars supporting the far right uh, in El Salvador. 75,000 people lost their lives during the Civil War. Um, and the United Nations Truth Commission that happened after a peace agreement was reached in 1992 found that more than 85% of the killings, kidnappings, and torture had been the work of government forces, including mm. paramilitaries, death squads, and army units trained by the United States. And uh, the State Department and the White House covered it all up to the best of their ability and protected the perpetrators of some of the crimes, you know, got them got them to places of safety and that kind of stuff after the war. So uh, that's all I wanted to say about MS-13 is just bring it back to, yeah. you know, some of the root causes well, of some of these deep problems. Like we've seen in the podcast we've done time and time again, everything is connected. One thing causes another. So if that's why our country, America, or any other powerful country, when you dabble in other countries, you have to be careful of what your uh, what your actions create or destroy or whatever. So again, all this stuff is connected, and we just need to be more careful and not try to play God all over the place. Uh, but we'll see what uh, we'll see what Trump does, and we'll see what happens uh, in the future as we shift into a Cold War 2.0, if you will. All right, I gotta go. Gotta get to a meeting. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back next week. Peace out. <laughs>